What is going on, Altered Nation? This is uh, Daniel, joined by some good friends of mine, Matthew Brown and Carrie Claypool. This is episode number <laughs> six, seven of the Altered Podcast, and uh, we have a special guest today. I mentioned her before. Her name's Carrie, and we'll be tackling the topic of women in ministry. Matt, Carrie, how are we doing, guys? Doing really good. Doing great. <laughs> Love it. So uh, just real quick, I know people who are listening, they know who Matt and I are, but uh, Carrie, if you could just give kind of like a brief intro of who you are and kind of what you do uh, so that people know who, who they're listening to today. Um, my name is Carrie Gunderson now. I just got married in May. That's right. But, um, my family is all in ministry and I'm grown up a preacher's kid and love the ministry, love God. Um, currently, young adult pastor with my husband in Lenore City, Tennessee, and um, graduated with my master's in pastoral counseling from Liberty University. And I went to Lee and got my bachelor's in psychology. So I'm ready. That's to right. A lot of congratulations. I mean, you've had a lot of stuff really happen over the past uh, year or so. So congrats on getting married. Congrats on school. And congrats on, uh, you, what's the name of the church you're at? Remind me. Sixth Avenue. That's right. That's right. So congrats on that as well. Um, now, something that um, I want to say, if just in case people don't know who Carrie is on like a personal level, we've kind of grown up around Carrie or Matt and I have uh, at KYC, you know, the good old glory days. And um, <laughs> I, would, I would consider Carrie an acquaintance, consider her a friend. And I, I really trust Carrie as, you know, we just don't bring anyone on this podcast, but I, I trust Carrie's uh, ideology. I, tr I trust um, her background. I trust what she's about as a person, as a Christian. Uh, and so, Carrie, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come and, and be with us to discuss this touchy topic, if you will, for some people, I should say. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, Matt, do you have anything you want to say before we kind of jump into it or? Well, I, whenever you said Claypool, I, I, I did not catch <sighs> the Gunderson right. thing until she said it. And I was like, I knew we were going to make that mistake because we've known yeah. you as Claypool a lot longer than, than Gunderson, of it's course. Okay. Um, but uh, apologies. Uh, but well, since you mentioned KYC, I'm going to ask both of you this question. What is your favorite, most memorable KYC moment? It doesn't have to be serious, like just in general. Favorite KYC moment? Of course, I go blank when you ask me that. <laughs> but there's so many stories, obviously. Let me just say this, Lloyd Smith, shout out Lloyd Smith. He is the goat when it oh, comes to fun time. So any type of like fun time memory, like he was just, he was a part of it. You know what I mean? So shout out Lloyd. I feel like, you know, nothing against anyone who does fun time now at KYC, but it's just never been the same since Lloyd left. I can, I agree on that because there were some wild, wild things that I remember um, people doing that I don't think these this these kids in this generation could do. Yeah. Um, they're a little bit too soft. That's right, soft. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> man. Especially even the last night when we did the whole like people running out and getting paintballed. I will never. Oh, the, yeah. the first year that I went, we had a guy. He only went one year because I don't think he was welcome back when he came because he was <laughs> he was ruthless. But he um he made it all the way to the pool but he stepped on a nail when he got there. And so when he ran back, he had to run back with like a hole in his foot. And so when he got back, it was, 
it was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Because he had gotten pelted with paintballs, but also stepped on a nail. And Man. for me, like, it was horrible, but it was hilarious because for him, he's like a really, really big guy. So it's like, it's amazing how such something so small can knock out such a right. large guy. Um, right. But yeah, man, I miss KYC. Those were some good old days. Well, let's um, let me ask you this, Carrie. Well, I guess we'll go a little bit more, a little bit more personal of a question. What would you say your call to ministry looked like? I know you've been doing ministry now for a little while, but what what was? When did you decide? Hey, like this is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. And uh, just tell us a little bit about that. So, um, I think you guys know my family that I come from. They're very, you know ministry minded and so um i've grown up around that i preached my first sermon when i was 11 years old at my grandma's church and so um just always knew that god had something for me something for me to say and minister to others but i'd really say during my time at lee when i was involved in um lee university campus choir it's like a hundred member worship choir And during that time, they also really focus on the spiritual aspect and you really grow in your ministry um, because you do so many things behind the scenes, like cleaning the bus at 3 a.m. when you get home from a tour. Um, That's your first semester. That's what you do. So they start you out with humble Mm -hmm. uh, beginnings and, and teach you about servanthood and things like that. And I was able to be on the spiritual life team my last semester. And so really just... It brought me out of my comfort zone. Um, I feel like one of my big callings is to preach and evangelize. And um, the past couple of years, I would say since COVID, I really have started to take the call to preach seriously. Because um, I know a lot of people will say, oh, I'm called to preach. But but I really have just taken those opportunities and, you know, grown in that. And another one of my big callings, I think, is Inter- prayer and intercession um, at my grandmother's church. They have a big prayer and intercessory prayer team there. And I just really learned how to pray, enter in, break down strongholds, all that good stuff um, like that. And so God really does use me in the altars. And I'm not saying that in a in a boastful way, but I do yeah. think the Lord has an anointing on my life to minister in the altars. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. And, and starting this new adventure, I started this in um, August of young adult ministry. And it's one of the hardest ministries, one of the most unchurched age groups. Um, so I'm sure you guys know a little bit about that yourself. And cause I know you're both, you're a youth pastor. And then Matthew, I don't know if you're an actual pastor or what, but I know you guys understand that demographic because you are that demographic. So. Mm-hmm. Right, for sure. Well, let me ask you this, Carrie. Um, who would you say, and I might already know the answer to it, but for people <laughs> listening, who would you say are some of your role models when it comes to ministry? Well, my biggest one is my grandmother, Janice Claypool. She's um, pastored for 30 plus years in Winchester, Kentucky. Um, she's really paved the way for women in ministry, especially in the Church of God and Church of God in Kentucky. Um, she started her church in a storefront with a benevolent mindset. Um, she um, reaches to the down and out, those addicted in prostitution, just the lowest of low kind of people that no one else would really want in their church. 
And so I can remember at a young age um, being on the back of a trailer on Christmas Eve, handing out toys across the city. And, um, and also on Thanksgiving, they would, they would give out turkeys and they call it Harvest Sunday. That's one of the big evangelistic services of reaching people. And so from a young age, I learned what true ministry was and being the hands and feet of Jesus through my grandmother. And she's just an amazing woman of God. And she's still going and uh, she's going to keep going. And uh, if you know her. And so she's one of my big role mothers. Actually, my other grandmother, my mom's mom, is a credentialed minister as well in the Church of God. She does prison ministry and um, she just has such a wonderful heart for she's been with um, people on death row. And um, I just truly, I have the best of the best uh, women in my life that I look up to. And then my aunt Francie, she's a wonderful minister, co-pastor with my uncle Chad in Florida, Okeechobee, Florida. And she um, has really taught me how to get out of my comfort zone and in singing and ministry. And just my whole my whole family really has that benevolent heart in ministry. And so um, those three are the, are the ones that I look up to. And of course I, I love my mother. She's more soft-spoken. She does, she's kind of more of the helps kind of doing the things behind the scenes, but yeah, I have the best of the best. That's awesome. awesome. And I've noticed too, like one thing that I love, um, I don't know your family like super well. I know you and your dad, from where y'all came to when I was at mm-hmm. Grace Fellowship. Um, but as far as um, the rest of your family, I don't know them too well, but I have noticed from like social media and stuff, just like how much they support you and mm-hmm. other people in your family who have that calling on their life. And uh, they give you opportunities to speak. They mm-hmm. put you in situations that I'm sure aren't necessarily the most comfortable at times, but they're like trying yeah. to push you to be stronger. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's that is super awesome. That is that is not common, especially yeah. today, to have a family that supportive of a uh, of a calling. Um, right. Well, speaking of, let's get into the the ju- the tea, the juicy stuff. <laughs> the, the questions that I know people are going to have because I, you know, I've been in a few different circles uh, that kind of fall on both sides of the spectrum. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to ask you. I guess the it's probably the toughest question out of all of them, and we'll go from here. But. Okay. So as you know, there are passages in the Bible um, that do reference certain things like women in ministry that people have used in ways that aren't the most helpful. Um, And I was actually going to read one. um, I think there's only two in the whole New Testament, which shows you how much we've blown this up. Um, But I'm going to read it to you. And I just want to hear, like, how do you respond to people? Because I know you've probably had this question before um, about women in ministry and... um, yeah, so I just want to hear your thoughts on it, because uh, I think we probably, I mean, I know all of us kind of stay on the same, we're all believing the same thing about this, um, but I just want to hear your thoughts on it. All right, so it's First Corinthians 14. It says, women should remain silent in churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must remain in submission as the law says. If you want to requ- inquire about something, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is a disgrace for a woman to speak in the church. So what do you say to people that use that as ammo against you or against people that are, uh, you know, for women in ministry? Okay, first I want to give a disclaimer. I'm not a theologian. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't want to be, say, like a basic answer, but I think 
at any in any kind of scripture you have to look at con at the context and you have to look at what historically is going on mm -hmm. in those um in those texts and so during that time i think there's a a little bit of unruly women within the church and so i think that influenced you know what was said in that scripture and um and you know um that's what I have to say about that. But I also say, I think I mentioned all of the wonderful women in the Bible that God used. I think about, you know, God uh, was birthed through a woman. Wom women are important. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, if, if Mary can carry the word of God, I think she can speak the word of God. And I'm about to Come preach. Right there. Yeah, and so, that's good. Um, but, um, and then I think about the woman at the well how she encountered God at that time. And they weren't even supposed to talk in public. She wasn't even, she was Samaritan and they weren't supposed to even be there, but God chose to come down and talk to her. And she was one of the first women evangelists. And so not only do I say, look at things contextually, but also go through the Bible and look how God used certain women. And um, that's what I would have to say to that. Yeah, so I'll say something. I'm sorry, Daniel, to cut you off, but I'll, I'll say something. I listen to uh, N.T. Wright is one of my favorite teachers. He's a New Testament scholar, and he answered it just like you did. Like with, uh, for one, the context is important because there was um, Artemis worship at the place where this was being taught, and they were trying. The worship of Artemis was strictly women, so it would make sense why Paul would be like, okay. Like, we need to hold this down. And it, he doesn't mention this exact thing to the other churches. He mentions it to the Church of Corinth. Uh, mm -hmm. But another thing he says is that um, if we're going to look at the impact of someone's message, we have to view it through the lens of resurrection. And so when you see the resurrection of Jesus, who is the first group of people that Jesus appears to? Women. And had it not been for those women, the disciples wouldn't have even known that Jesus had rose from the dead. And so for me, I don't know how you can read the Bible and get another another belief about that. But um but that's yeah, that's that's so good. Yeah. That's, Daniel, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, I love it. And uh you're you're speaking with two guys who are definitely, in my opinion, we're on the right side of this and our views <laughs> on women in ministry, it's definitely uh, in support of. Um, but if I'm being honest, Carrie, I haven't always believed that way. All yeah. right. And, I, and I'm, you know, growing up in the church of God, there's been some very strong feelings about women being in ministry. And I personally, I would like to say that, like, as time has gone on over the years, there are more ministers who are kind of showing their support a little bit more for women being in ministry. But for you personally, have your feelings or thoughts changed throughout the years? And, and I'm asking that because maybe it hasn't because you were born into a family who have has had women ministers, but for you personally, has your thoughts changed on women being in ministry at all? So I don't say this pridefully, but um, there's nothing that my family has ever told me that I couldn't do mm -hmm. <laughs> in the church. Yeah. And so, but obviously, you know, growing up, you have to study things for yourself. And um, I think that, well, how do I phrase this? I think that, you know, I, I didn't really care at one point in time, Sure, but I care about it more now because of yeah. the calling. I've truly stepped into that calling on my life. And so, um, you know, I have had 
people be discouraging towards me, but I've had more for me than more that are, that are against me. And so, um, that's kind of, you know, where I'm at with it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Now, what would you say then to someone who is like maybe, cause I was in the same way with Daniel, my opinion kind of changed over the year. Uh, but what would you say to someone who is having doubts and they're approaching these passages and saying, what you're saying is great, but Paul says this, or, but, you know, I've heard this person say this, what would you say to someone who's trying to wrestle with this and, uh, to kind of lean them into the right direction? Well, I don't want to sound too spiritual, but you need to pray uh, for revelation on things um, because sometimes we let our opinions and let the way we are raised um, influence our outlook on things. And sometimes um, things that we've learned are not correct. (laughs) Mm. And so you really need to to let the Holy Spirit move and um, you need to maybe open your mind and outlook on things and look at women that God is using um, because you've come too late to tell me that God doesn't use women. I have, yeah. I know so many powerful women and um, I think, of course, I know people on both aspects, you know, of the, of the um, argument or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I would say, you know, just open your heart and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Um, don't be so close-minded. So would you say that you're pretty optimistic about people's views on women in ministry as a, as a whole? Would you say you're pretty optimistic? Um, well. <laughs> it's okay. You'd be completely honest. Yeah, it's no big deal. Well, coming from um, our Church of God General Assembly, this summer had me feeling all kinds of feelings so um, i think you know i had discussions with my uncle chad um about all that that went on and he said in the 90s you know what they were voting on wouldn't have even got half of the votes and so i believe that about 500 of the votes this year were the deciding factors so things are definitely changing and i do feel a sense of um, optimism about it. Um, but I know there's definitely some that are going to die on that hill. <laughs> well, let's, yeah. so, so you brought, you opened the can of worms. So we're going to ask about it just for fun. So, and if you don't want to answer this question, feel free to say pass. But, um, so for those that don't know, cause people that are in my circles, I'm, I don't go, I'm not a part of a denomination right now. So it, you may be wondering what we're even talking about. Uh, they may be able to explain it more than I can, but from what I've read and from what I saw, there was a decision about whether women were allowed to vote for bishops, right? Is that what the decision was, or just vote in general? Well, I think that is a part of the argument that um, women are not supposed to be bishops, um, because in Scripture it says a bishop is to be a husband of one wife. And um, do you all want me to go ahead and go get into it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um and so if we want to be technical there, um, there's multiple men that have been married more than once Ooh. that are. <laughs> and I'm not saying that in a bad way because I know some of them were not their fault and some were before Christ. Yeah. But I do think that there are some men that um, that probably we could say 
that shouldn't be bishops. Um, So, but um, I think when you break down the word, you know, buy means to and then shop. And so I think about that. And I think that a bishop is someone who's over multiple things, multiple churches. Like my dad, he's a church of God overseer and he's over 90 to 100 churches in Arkansas. I think that's what a bishop is. A bishop is someone who is over multiple campuses and things like that. And I don't, I'm not, titles are, are just a title, Yes, but um, titles are man-made. Absolutely. So, um, I think that there's many women in the church of God who could care less about that title. I personally do not want to be a bishop. Um, I don't ne- I don't know if I necessarily think that it's biblical to, for a woman to be a bishop, but I do not think that this is a doctrinal issue. I think it's a polity issue within our denomination. And um, if we're letting our women be lead pastors, then why can they not make decisions bit on business for our church of God as a whole um, but they can make business decisions for their churches that they lead 365 days a year. Yeah. And, um, you know, even when we go to our own state meetings, we're allowed to vote on things in the state. And so, you know, it's just a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, one thing that was hard to listen to was pastors who would stand up and they would like, they would give props to like women that they have in their church that are ordained ministers and they would just sing their praises and they would say, but I don't think that they should have like, for me, I just don't know. I don't know how you could do that. I don't know how you could be so for them yet. So against them having the right to vote and, um, yeah, that's just, I I totally agree. I, I don't know like where, where we've gone wrong on that. And I don't know why it's such a big deal uh, on the international level, because you, you made mention, you know, at, on the state level, it's, it's no problem at all, but for whatever reason, once you do the national level, it's like, I don't think so. So, you know, maybe, maybe one day, maybe one day we'll get there. Well, here's the thing um, too, like you mentioned bishops in the Bible and in the Bible, they don't have denominations. Like this whole denominational structure that we have today doesn't, I'm not saying that as a knock on denominations at all, but I'm saying that what we may call bishops and denominations may be something totally different with the early church in terms of responsibility, in terms mm-hmm. of how that looked within their culture. And I mean, the same is true. Like we use like apostle and evangelist and we throw all these, like you said, they're just titles. We throw all these titles out that we put <laughs> our meaning of those titles into the Bible when the Bible was trying to go a different direction a lot of the time. And I, I am totally in agreement. I don't understand how, um, I don't know. It's just like you said, they have experience leading a church. Why shouldn't they be able to vote for who they trust with leading them? Because they know what a good leader is supposed to look like. So why shouldn't they have a say in that? But, uh, right. but yeah. So what, let me ask you this then. What would you say, let's say, I, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. I don't, I don't know any church of God people at the high level. But if they somehow were listening to this, what would you say to those leaders or anybody who may have voted against it? What would you say to them to maybe convince them of next time this vote comes up to consider the alternative? 
Well, most of the leaders that I know um, that are in, you know, high leadership within our denomination are very affirming of women. Um, I've not had any bad experiences with any of those. They've been very affirming of me. But um, there's just so much to unpack on that question. I just, <laughs> um, you know, a lot would, would get up and they would talk about um traditional roles of marriage and they would bring that up i don't i think daniel were you there oh yeah i was there yeah i was there they would talk about things like that and i'm just i'm just sitting here saying this is not a doctrinal issue this is a polity issue and yeah. um and i want to say this if any woman really does want to be an overseer they need to go sit in the in the seat for one day and see what they have to deal with. And um, you do not want to deal with church fights every day um, over sister. Yay. Yay. And brother flip flop. <laughs> you don't, you do not want to deal with that stuff. I'd rather preach. And I just want my voice to be heard mm -hmm. in a denomination that, you know, has been my whole life. My life's been devoted to that. That's what my family, that's what's put food on my food in my mouth and clothes on my back. And I just want my voice to be heard. And I also want to turn it to scripture, Joel chapter two. It says in the Bible, you know, he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh and sons and daughters are going to prophesy. And so um, they're going to prophesy whether you give them a title or not. God's Absolutely. going to elevate daughters in this hour that are just seeking him and that are pure in heart. And so, so yeah. I growing up, I have had friends who have kind of fallen away from the church of God uh, just over like the over the hills that they refuse to get off of and they're going to die on it. Like the church of God is doing this. I disagree with it. Therefore, I am leaving the church of God. You're talking about I'm me? I'm the church of God. No, <laughs> talking about you, Matt. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, what would you say to women who are in this boat where they feel like there's just no hope? Right. Or um, they, they just they kind of see the road ahead and they're they're really considering quitting ministry. What would you say to women like that? Because I, I know they're out there because I know for men, we there's I have friends who feel certain ways about certain things and they just they feel like giving up because they don't see like there's any future. Right. And and I actually, you know, experienced seeing some of those young women's post after, you know, all that at General Assembly. And I felt like I had to make a statement on my um, Facebook, you know, just to be encouraging and just to, you know, lay the facts out there. And, um, you know, I just think about all the early women in the church of God that have paved the way. And what if they gave up, you know, what if they would have gave up and we would not be where we are today. And um, you can't give up is right. the way that I feel about it. And, you know, I think the church of God is moving in the right directions in so many ways because um, this general assembly, we even voted um, one of the most diverse executive councils. If you look at the picture, I mean, it looks like what heaven's going to look like. And I'm very encouraged by yeah. that because what people, you know, traditionally see the church of God as just white, a bunch of white Southern folks. And, and we're not that. We're in 185 countries 
um, in this world. And I believe there's 195 or something countries. And so I think we're doing pretty good. Eight million members. There's so many people saved in a Church of God altar every day. There's a statistic about that. We have two great um, institutions, Lee University Pentecostal Theological Seminary. And um, God's helping the Church of God. And I didn't want this podcast to be all about that. But that's that's what my life is and has been devoted to. And um, just it's where, you know, I've grown up and what I'm in. So, but I am encouraged. And I do think that God is, is making a way. And um, we had two great women, I think, I believe, preach at General Assembly, mm-hmm. tore it up. And so I would say that most of our listeners are probably male. Um, and I, I have no statistics to back that up at all. But I'm just going to assume that most of the people that tune in list us are probably guys. What would you say? And this is a question for myself, too. What would you say to men who want to be supportive or be an ally for women who are pursuing ministry? Like, what can we do? to be an ally to you guys? That's a good question. Um, I think we just need support. We just need you to cheer us on um, Mm. and be there. And I mean, don't speak against us. Um, (laughs) Just speak up for us. Um, I don't know if that's too simple or not, but. Well, and I find myself sometimes, like uh, it's it's easy to support something, but to never vocalize it because yeah. there's some people that do feel so strongly about it. But anyone listening that it maybe you find yourself like that, um, I just I would encourage you to if you were in their shoes, you know, you'd want someone to speak up for you. In fact, I think that's what Jesus would do. Uh, not, not to just throw that on someone, but that's exactly what Jesus would do. Um, so, you know, I, I know that was a good question, but I mean, I think sometimes even the best questions have the most simple answers and just being a support and being vocal about women being in ministry. Um, I love it. I think it's great. Well, let me, let me say this to um, you, as far as the denomination thing, I know some people hearing this are probably like, especially if you're non-denominational, you want to start throwing stones at the church of God. For one, the Church of God is not the only one that's wrestling with this by far. Yeah. It, and there I mean this is this is not a uncommon issue. But as far as like the the people in it, the people who are leading it, don't think that like they're untrustworthy and that you can't follow yeah. their leadership just because there's one disagreement. The reason we're talking about it is because it's relevant to women in ministry, but this is not something that we're saying you need to leave the Church of God because of this. Like <laughs> that's, that's not what we're trying to say and I think that's what uh Carrie was trying to say too, is that like this is there's, there's issues in everywhere. There's people. Absolutely. There's flaws. Yeah, there there is well, no it, perfect place. And I would go as far to say is you're doing more of a disservice by saying I need to leave or I need to get out of it. Like I, I will, I, I I will never take a back seat to my denomination because you know I am hopeful and I want to be you know part of the solution. So. Yeah. And I, and I would hope that anyone who's in ministry or part of a nomination or just part of the church as a whole, you know, we want the kingdom to move forward. Yes. Um, so yeah, we gotta gotta stay with it for sure. Awesome. Well, let, let me ask a um, a little bit lighter question as we kind of like start to move this in a downward trajectory, get away from the T a little bit. Uh, <laughs> as someone who's been speaking for a while, uh, what are some of your favorite moments of preaching? Like maybe favorite places that you spoke at. 
or maybe places where, you know, maybe there was a service that you went to where there was just a amazing move of God. Like, do you have any stories or anything from your experience? Um, well, as far as, um, like when I was at Lee, I had the opportunity to go to Indonesia and Thailand. Mm. Um, and we were able to, um, go to one of the largest Pentecostal conferences in Indonesia. It was called empower 21 and it was 40 to 50 nations. And, um, while we were there, we obviously did music, but God really ministered specifically to people in the choir. And I think it was just such a, a monumental moment in many of our lives. We got to see healings and things like that. Um, but for preaching, I, I still am kind of young in preaching two or three years. But um, so... About six weeks ago, I had the opportunity to preach at our church and um, at a young adult service. And the Holy Spirit just really, really used me to minister to people in the altars. I mean, you know, there's times when you're under the anointing, you're like, and I'm more of a laid back, um, more quiet person. And you guys probably know that. Like, I don't just go up and talk to people randomly. I just don't do that, but I'm getting better about that because I'm in ministry. I got to step out on that. But when the anointing is on you, it's just like such a boldness is on you. And he gives you the words to say to people and minister to people. And I'll always forever be thankful that God would even use me to, to minister to people. And that's just, just special to me. Carrie, what advice would you give to someone who is a female and they are starting off in ministry for the first time. Maybe there's been some advice that was given to you that just totally like changed your outlook on ministry or really encouraged you. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, I would obviously say surround yourself with the right people that are going to speak into your life and mentor you. And I know these, I feel like these sound so basic, but it's just, it's just the truth. I mean, I, and I'm blessed, you know, like I said, I have my Aunt Francie, my grandmother, and um, that are all anointed women of God. And you just need to surround yourself with the right people. Um, you need to listen to the right kind of messages. You need to listen to good, good sound doctrine, preaching, and um, all the things like that. I, I've just had the best. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, so... If someone were to ask you, what podcasts are you listening to or what preachers or speakers do you listen to frequently? Is there, is there any recommendations you would give? I actually um, thought about this before you guys asked. I listen to Jensen Franklin a lot. I think he has like the best 30 to 45 minute sermon ever. Like yeah. all of his are so good. Yep. And so, um, and then I, of course I love uh, Kevin and Devin Wallace at Redemption to the Nations. And then um, Aaron and Amanda Crabb. And uh, the last two couples I specifically like, maybe this is something we can talk about is because um, both of them, both of the couples are strong in their preaching and they complement each other. Well, it's not a competition. Um, and, and Devin and Kevin, I've talked about that. Some, you know, growing up how they had to work through, you know, both of them being called in such a strong way in that ministry. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, our age, 
easily, you know, in ministry, the wife is easily involved, but it's more of in a servant way, like just doing things behind the scenes or things like that. There's not a lot of couples that are both strong in that. Yeah. And um, my husband and I are both preachers and evangelists, and um, he carries my Bible up when I preach, gives me a bottle of water, and that's that's somebody that, uh, you know, that support you were asking about, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Hannah starts preaching, <laughs> that absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, that's I really like those last two couples because they just complement each other so well in that. Well, we'll just to play off of that. So, I know that you and Clay both, like you said, both have a calling on your life to to preach and bring the word of God. Do you see yourself? And maybe this is something that'd be better for I guess both of you guys. But do you guys see yourself being? planted somewhere long-term or do you see yourself being those people that, you know, travel around and maybe y'all, you know, preach one morning and one night, or maybe even split up and speak at different areas. Like how do you, what do you guys think um, the direction that you guys are heading in terms of your ministries? You know, I think it, it's all a journey. Um, yeah. So we have both went opposite ways and preached. We preach at the same place, a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and we're about to do that here again in a couple months. But right now at our age, we're 24 and 25. We really like to travel and evangelize. Um, but I do think that pastoral call is on our life. Now, do I know when that's going to happen? No, I don't. Um, I, I still think the Lord is preparing us for that. But if, if you look at those kind of, people you know that I was talking about all of them have made their impact out of a local church yeah. and so they still have that and and preach at their church but they also travel all over the world and and we would love nothing more than to do something like that yeah so you made mention um of and and, and I know Chad and Francie uh, pretty well um you said that they are they're co-pastors at their church right Mm-hmm. So that term co-pastor it was such a foreign term to me. The first time I heard that was actually, and it might, it might have been around for a while, but the first time I've actually heard of that being a thing was there was a couple from California that came to visit and to do something at camp meeting one year. And I picked them up from the airport and I was just driving them and I was talking to them and it was a husband and wife team similar to Chad and Francie. And they were co-pastors at a church in California for me that just seemed like such like a bizarre and, and I'm all for it in a ministry, but it seemed like such a bizarre setup for a church to have like two co-pastors. Like Matt, have you experienced that before? Patty like a church that has Campbell two co-pastors? Are, uh, are co-pastors. Are they really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grace. That's how Grace is set up too, is with co-pastors. That's insane. So like churches that have like co-pastors, like, like, like how like how does that work? Because I've only ever heard of one, and now I've heard of of two additional ones. Like, how does a co pastorship of a of a church work? Well, I don't think Francie and Chad even care about that or care about labels like that. You know, that's just kind of what I said. I said because I see the equal anointing on their life and their gifts on their life, and how they they tell me that they just flow together, like. Mm-hmm. They really do. Like if he's preaching a message, she usually sings something that goes along with the message. And um, But I do know some people that that label means a lot to them because 
they want to be seen, you know, as equal. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, some in their tradition, they haven't had that equal respect, you know, of, of them. But I think it looks, I think it looks different. I don't know if it's necessarily, um, like equal responsibility or not. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm still figuring that out a little bit, but I just said that because they're both so involved and, you know, some pastor's wives are to the side. Like I said, like, it's not that they're not there, but they're not out in front preaching, prophesying, laying hands on people. Well, and the reason I ask is because, uh, and I think it's a, an amazing thing, but this couple from California, like they like they take turns preaching every single Sunday. They both have mm-hmm. their own offices. I mean, they, they are both viewed as like the pastor of the church. Mm-hmm. And it's in our great state of Kentucky, which I love very much. You don't really see that. Uh, but mm-hmm. like their church is like thriving. And I think one of the reasons they are thriving is like the leadership of that church. They're on the same page and they're both you know, fully moving in the calling that is on their lives. So, you know, whenever you said co-pastor, I just, I didn't know if you, just to me, that was such a crazy term, yeah. or such a crazy uh, way to, uh, to do something like that. So that's, that's the only reason I asked. Well, the, ca- the way it kind of worked um, with grace and I know some people listening are from grace, so shout out, but um, the way that they kind of did it with, uh, with Patty and Dale is they, Essentially, like as far as how the church viewed them, sure, like the same. But um, like Carrie just mentioned, responsible. Like Pastor Dell speaks every Sunday. Every now and then, Patty will speak too. But uh, he handles more of like the study and the um, the preaching and you know, hospital visits, things like that. And Patty is more like in charge of the ministries and overseeing a lot of the logistical mm-hmm. stuff. And so. It's hmm. it's more a way. I mean, you may have seen it in more like like mega churches have like lead pastors and executive pastors. Essentially, mm-hmm. they're both the pastors, but they they split up responsibility just to help yeah. both sides have um, enough to take on, but not too much. And it be over. It just depends on the size of the church, honestly. Because if right. it's a smaller church, like my church is, when I met here in Columbia, we have like fifty people. So obviously, we don't need like a a a senior pastor and a executive pastor but for somewhere that's bigger that kind of makes sense especially if you have a lot of ministries and stuff to head up um but no i mean i I can understand though how that would be kind of strange to hear if you've not been in that environment before uh franti's technical um title is family care pastor because she oversees all the ministries and and you know make sure things are getting done and she's that's really one of her strong gifts so but I just called them co-pastors because I do see the equal anointings on their life and how they both lead, but their responsibilities are different, like you were saying, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So do you got do you and Clay see yourself staying with Cleveland? Like you mentioned potential pastors. Do you see yourself staying with Cleveland or do you guys have a heart for a different city or well, Clay's from Florida. Um, that's his home state. <laughs> but I think that we both agree. You know, we can't put any limits on God. And you know, that pains me to say (laughs) because I've had to move my entire life. And I don't know if Daniel's had to move out of Kentucky or not, but he's probably experienced that, you know, even within the state. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I was born in Oklahoma, lived in Kentucky a few years of my life, lived in Tennessee most of my life. 
had to move to New Mexico <laughs> my, <laughs> my junior year of high school. And then, you know, I went back to leave, graduated, lived in Arkansas. <laughs> and now I'm back in, in Tennessee again. And so, but I, but because of that and because of the way my parents raised me, I know that you cannot limit God or any ge geographical location, but I do hope that it stays on the Eastern <laughs> side. Um, yeah. Please God, because yeah. the, I love the people in the West. They're, they were precious in New Mexico, but I like sweet tea and, um, <laughs> I need to see green grass. Yeah, and sure. Chick Fil A too, because there's not much Chick Fil A out oh, west, right? No, there is actually. That was the only thing that kept me the oh, whole I didn't time. Even know that. Wow. So I have a very serious question. Um, in terms of chicken sandwiches, are <laughs> we and are we team Chick Fil A or are we team Popeyes? Man, I can't even remember when all that debate was going on. I I think I'm going to stick with. Chick Foy. This has been the Altered Podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. <laughs> no, I'm, just I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm guessing you're a Popeyes guy, Daniel. I'm a Popeyes guy through and through. You know, I wasn't always like that, but I tried it, and God started to work on me. And <laughs> you know, just things change, bro. You're eating that backslidden chicken. I need to try it again to, to get my opinion up to date. We'll see. I'll yes, say this. Yes, you do. Popeyes they don't have Popeyes here. Yeah, mm. so Popeyes has a great sandwich, but the rest of their food is terrible. Like their fries now, I, I would horrible. agree with that. Like if I and if I want to go somewhere where I get a good meal, I'm choosing Chick Fil A over Popeyes a hundred percent of the time. But if yep. if it's just a sandwich, I mean, and I, I could see how there's more of a debate, but I don't know. Mm. Yeah, man. Well, Carrie, let me ask you this as we kind of close it out, and then we'll give some closing thoughts. Um, how can because a lot of our listeners, I would say a good chunk of our listeners have probably never heard of you before. So how can they, because I mean, this is a great opportunity to plug. I know as as ministers, as all of us are kind of in that place where it's like we want our, like we're trying to get this podcast up there. And then, <laughs> and so well, how can people find you uh, social media wise? And if people want to schedule you to speak or anything like that, how can they get in touch with you? Well, I'm pretty informal. I just use Facebook, usually use hey. Facebook Messenger. Um, you can message me on there at any time. And my name is actually Carrie Claypool Gunderson on there. It's like the <laughs> longest name ever. But I feel I was afraid to, you know, not keep that on there because people might not recognize, you know, who I was. And so you could just message me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram too. It's Carrie Gunderson underscore. Cool. So, and we'll link yeah. all of that in the um, the show notes below. Um, you got anything like coming up as far as you mentioned you guys are speaking somewhere in a couple months. What do you have coming up? Well, we got a call from a pastor last night in um, North Carolina, Western North Carolina. And so maybe by the time um, this podcast is up, we'll have the exact date. We don't know the date yet. Oh, yeah. But I will be preaching in Florida in February um, in Fort Pierce, Florida at Spirit Life Church of God. And so um, that's all I got right now. Um, well, if we find those, then we'll put those in the uh, thing as well. And you guys can go because we do have some listeners from North Carolina as well. And uh, they can okay. go and uh, hang on as well. But. Yeah, Daniel, you got anything else before we give some closing, or if you want to close out anything, or 
no, I think that's it. Just be praying for uh, Carrie and for her husband, Clay um, Gunderson, as they continue to do ministry. Uh, pray for Carrie uh, to see the light with Popeye's chicken. Um, <laughs> and But no, aside from that, Carrie, thank you so much for being gracious with your time. Thanks for hanging out with us and taking on these questions and just being transparent and honest with us. Um, and just anyone listening, like I said, just, just remember them in your prayers as they continue to do ministry because ministry is, is not easy. Um, but it's, we, we need great people like Carrie and Clay in it for sure. So, and I'll, and I'll say this too, uh, just to kind of close, close us all out is, um, I want to reiterate too, just in case someone missed it the first time, we're not throwing stones at, at, at anyone in this podcast. So if, if you listen, if you're at the end of this podcast and the, the, the one thing you got is that, man, these men are t- total jerks, then you've missed the whole no. conversation. So, uh, no, I don't like that. Absolutely. And, uh, and I mean, and even those who are on the fence, then, I mean, like you said, there's, there's optimism there. And I think that mm. we're start, starting to see some good fruit come of that soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Carrie, again, thank you so much for joining us. And um, yeah, as far as everybody else who's listening, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Altered Nation out. your sign off that's our sign that's off. our sign and off it's someone usually says cue the music and then the music starts playing that's funny <laughs> yeah